The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Where are we going? Shopping. For a new episode of Gutting the Sacred Cow, hey everybody, Kevin Goatee right here for you. And for those of you on YouTube, yes, look at that zit I have on my cheek. I popped it just 10 seconds ago, and the pus shot out like a rocket right out of Schwarzenegger's rocket launcher from Commando, hence that quote. Wow, that was a satisfactory start to this morning. But... Here we go. We're going to have Dave Landau on this episode of Gutting the Sacred Cow, and he's going to take on Philadelphia. Before we get to that, please, if you have not done so already, five-star rating on any of the podcast platforms that you listen to, Apple, Google, iHeart, whatever, Stitcher, YouTube, give us a thumbs up and a subscribe. We just need that to keep building up our fan base, which you guys are doing a fantastic job of doing so far. For all the newbies, like I said, give us a like, share, five-star rating. Thank you. GuttingTheSacredCow.com also has all of your merch, hats, bags, shoes, gloves, shirts, pants. Hey, orange balls, I'll have a box of those. Give me a box of those Naked Lady Tees. Just kidding, none of those. But we do have other things like hats, bags, cups, mugs, whatever you want on GuttingTheSacredCow.com. Kevin Israel and I thank you so very much. And now without further ado, here's Dave Landau doing Philadelphia. Gather round, here's what I know. Gutting the sacred cow. Holy shit. Kevin Israel, how are you today, sir? What's going on with you? Fantastic. Just yeah. living the quarantine jersey life, man. Are you really? I'm, uh, oh, yeah. I like your brown shirt, but I like my white shirt that has Gutting the Sacred Cow merchandise. Yeah. You can find all that at guttingthesacredcow.com. But today, more importantly, our guest, we have a guy. I, if you're sensing a theme, then you're wise. This is our third person because I love the guys over at Compound Media. We had Bill Schultz on who did Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. We had Joanne Noshasinski do Grease. And now today we've got Dave Landau doing Philadelphia. Hello. Dave Landau, thanks for joining us. Dave, tell us about your your show and Kumia's Network and a little bit about you for our audience. Well, I want to know first, if you don't mind me asking, did Bill got the sacred cow? He did not. He came insane. He came he, he, came, he he and another guy. He and a few other people have come <laughs> super close. But Bill was the first one to get as close as possible. And I will say, Joanne did gut the sacred cow. She is one of. Damn it, Kevin! Is there anyone else to do it besides Joanne? She had a softball. She did have what a softball. Did yeah, what great, did she Grease is a, Grease is a shit film, and that was a uh, terrible movie in every way. Yeah, I, I never I never saw it until two months ago. And she made me break my long, long promise, my Cal Ripken Jr. <laughs> Iron Man streak of not seeing that. And she took great joy of making me sit through that piece of fucking trash. I can't wait till somebody chooses Dirty Dancing. 
I've never seen that's that either. True. I know. That's why I Greece, said. though, man, that'll drop your T cell count during COVID. That is a dangerous watch. Oof. I needed AZT after that car went under the fucking sun. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst. It's uh, the Anthony Cumia show with Dave Landau, obviously formerly of Opie and Anthony fame. Uh, right now we are, uh, you can watch us at compoundmedia.com, uh, Compound America, if you download the Compound app. Uh, we are pay service because we say terrible, terrible things. And uh, that's how we do it. So right now I'm quarantined at his mansion, which is not bad. He's given me a wing of the house uh, where I have my own room, my own bathroom and stuff. So it's pretty awesome. He's got his basement studio. So we're just doing shows out of here to keep uh, the fans happy. I'd love to see how he treats the help there. They're not allowed in anymore. (laughs) Just waving the gun around gives the general idea he's not thrilled with their performances. There's a giant one several feet from me. It's very intimidating. I wouldn't even touch it. I'm sure it's loaded. Does he let you drive his cars? That's important. (laughs) I I think he would. I haven't needed to, but I think he would. Yeah. Only because he just has a Suburban left, and I could handle it. His Jag? Yeah. Yeah. Probably That's not. To go drive. That's the one you want. I don't think you would. <laughs> I mean, now is the time to take that on the LIE and just punch the shit out to about a buck seventy-five. I would love to do it. <laughs> I absolutely would. That'd be like the scene in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where he just fucking <laughs> shoots out. Love yeah, that. just fucking stealing the car and then reversing the miles. Dave Lee, exact, and then drive it off a fucking the back of a uh, of a glass penthouse in Chicago. Yes, yeah. No matter how much your dad hates you, that just didn't seem fair. Dave Landau selected the film Philadelphia, also sharing the city of garbage people and garbage fans of the NFL. <laughs> the white trash Venus flytrap, as I like to allude to about it. Philadelphia, though, an IMDb score. Kevin Israel, this is your time to shine. You're, you're pretty good at this game. Give me the IMDb score of Philadelphia. What do you think, buddy? What is it? IMDb, I'm going to say 9-2. 7. 7.7. Wow, really? Yeah. yeah. That's Rot- surprising. That's Rot- surprising. Yeah, it is surprising. I thought it would be a lot higher. Rotten Tomatoes critic score, give it to me. Well, knowing that the IMDb score was so low, I'm going to have to go lower than I would have guessed with an 88. 88, you said? 88, yeah. Eight zero eighty from the critics. I guess Jeez, they. I guess, harsh on this movie. I, I, you would have thought this was a love letter to the Academy I, critics with gays and AIDS and wrongful termination. This, this shocked me singing at eighty. Audience score. What do you have? I bet this is gonna be like a nineties movie. Eighty nine. A little lower. Budget of twenty six million dollars back in nineteen ninety three. Bringing in a haul of 200 point, sorry, 206.7 mil in 1993. $2020, $20, that's a $47 million budget today. A $374.3 million haul. Which Not a bad in, ROI. No, $374 million, that buys about 150 CDs from Sam Goody, though. <laughs> the most overrated, overpriced piece. Of, I can't believe I thought of that last night, too, by the way. I go, Sam Goody, remember that place? That place is a fucking ripoff. I know, it did. It, it, it caught a little heat today. It's, it's like now $40 time. for a fucking VHS. I remember that. Dude, I went to Barnes & Noble in 2001, and I went to go buy Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. What do you think the cost of that DVD was as I took it to the clerk and go, this is a misprint? And he said, it is not. What? How 35. much? How much? Twenty nine ninety nine. Thirty five. $40. It's insane. The, the Princeton Barnes & Nobles can eat a bag of dicks. $40. I said, I think if this, this, this number is wrong, though, no, it's not. I said, then you're never going to see me here again. And then went to Suncoast Video and also laughed because it should not also cost a second mortgage to buy a VHS copy of Big Trouble in Little China, for Christ's sakes, no matter how great, no matter how great that film is. <laughs> it is an amazing movie. There's no doubt about that. That is a film that begged, begged for a sequel but has yet to deliver. Yeah, well, you know what's interesting about the expense of uh, the cost of that movie, The Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, was just a few months before when that came out, Sam Goody was giving out a free VHS copy of the Afro Man Because I Got High video <laughs> yes. to promote the movie. Yeah, and I, so I, that's, had, that, I had that on that my iPhone. <laughs> yeah, that, it's, that's a long, that's a big difference between free and 40 fucking dollars. 
I bet Afro Man hands out that VHS tape on 42nd and 7th going, yo, check out my mixtape. Check out my mixtape. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I still got it. <laughs> it's now time for five fun facts. Five fun facts. Five fun facts. Who turned down the role to play Andrew Beckett? Hint, this guy, probably one of the best actors of all time. Uh, I was going to say Leonardo DiCaprio, but he's too young. At that point. Young, right? Yeah. Boy, compared to Robert Redford. Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, wow. Down. Oh, he turned yeah. it down. To do in the name of the father. Mary, oh. Mary Steenburgen, a.k.a. Mrs. Uh, Doc Brown from Back to the Future 3, mm-hmm. missed the first day of shooting, her only day of shooting she has ever missed in her long acting career because she had a friend die of AIDS days before shooting commenced. Wow. That's a lie. Creepy. <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> I don't believe that at all. <laughs> number th- Mrs. Number- Danson. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about her. Yeah. I, I like to think Whoopi Goldberg is a real Mrs. Danson. How- I do too. Okay. Any time the blackface has been done to your partner, that's your life mate. Post nineteen forty-five. That's always good for a few yuck yucks, right, Landau? Oh, yeah, it really did well for him. Actually, he's the only one that it didn't affect. When you think about it, he's fine. So true. He he did a few shows on TV that were uh, kicking ass. Okay. We have number four, sorry, scene number three, a scene of Tom Hanks and Antonio Banderas in bed together was cut, much to the chagrin of Kevin Israel sitting across from us now. I wanted to see them. I wanted to see how those two make love. Especially fucking in those sailor outfits. Meow. This is part of my argument. <laughs> I'm with you. The they role wanted more gay sex. That's what I wanted the hammering. I didn't watch it. For... I actually watched this movie in 1993. And with my family, with my mom and dad, because Tom Hanks was in it, and I didn't. I guess we thought it was going to be like Turner and Hooch, and it was not. <laughs> and you know what's funny? They say that this. I think this was Hanks' first real dramatic role. Right. It was ex- the closest one. I, he had one dramatic role, and then he had another one called Nothing in Common with Jackie Gleason. Gleason. Yeah. He also, like, Punchline was also a quasi-serious film too. Quasi. Yeah, where the uh, comedy club has a locker room for the props. <laughs> oh yeah. AKA Carrots Club. (laughs) Carrot, carrot, fucking Tom's Club. Yeah, it's funny, but uh, on my notes, it just says, not enough rosebudding. (laughs) The role of Joe Miller was originally slated slated to be a comedic role in which Bill Murray and Robin Williams were considered for the role. Can you imagine Robin Williams like, oh, 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 you have gay cancer. Hey, don't pass a split to this guy. You're going to get lesions on the face inside of softball. Oh, 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 oh. I'm going to hang myself. Oh, now, <laughs> I, I, I say not direct har- quote. I say not harsh enough, Dave. Don't be a pussy. Dig in, you fucking cuck. That's what we do here. John Leguizamo turned down the role of Miguel to do what film? Jeez. Too Executive decision. Super Too Mario Brothers. It's a great move. That was a great decision. Do you know what Bob Hoskins said when he was asked the worst movie he ever did? Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario Brothers. I said a no And never, I'm with you. I like that movie. I saw I, it in the theater and enjoyed it. I, as a, let me think, it was 93, I was 16. As a 16-year-old Kevin Goatee, I said, that looks awful. As does Double Dragon, one of my all-time favorite games. I'm like, that also looks awful. And I've never Double seen Double Dragon. That. Yeah. Alyssa Milano played the girl. Did you know that? I'm just I'm just glad that Super Mario Brothers existed as a movie. I feel like it was terrible, but I'm just glad it's out there. I'm glad it was a TV show as well. It was a good cartoon when you came. It was a it. cartoon, but then yeah. they actually had a live action. Yeah, uh, yeah it was really, really bizarre. Yeah, they did. It was a live that. action TV show. And Michael Keaton turned down the role of Beckett to do what film? My Life. Oh, another heavy-handed cancer movie. Yeah. yeah. He had to decide between AIDS and cancer and what was going to be the hot ticket that year. I'd rather die. I'd rather do a film where I don't get to fuck Antonio Banderas, but instead I get to fuck Nicole Kidman. He chose wisely. He did choose wisely. I, they hold up about the same. I would say my better chance he survived cancer than AIDS. Yeah, there was. <laughs> Bonus fun fact. There were 53 extras in this film who had AIDS. And this is... <laughs> 
Forty yeah. forty three of them died, and that's one of the facts that was on like four pages of facts I found out. I go, that's a pretty morose. Like you're laughing while you say that. I'm amazed that people would post that. Who posts like fifty three extras with AIDS with this? I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like bringing in people, you know, source material. But for, to all but ten died. Yay! I, there's a, I'm there's laughing a because line. it's. I'm laughing because this part of that is in my argument, and you will see eventually. Because I, it's, it's there. It's with, ridiculous. With I feel like breath, I'm going to have to shower after Dave's argument. <laughs> What's that? I think I'm going to have to take a shower after your argument. You might have to. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Israel, what quotes did you get from a uh, sitting shower? <laughs> it's, it's, what, what was the one where he's in the shower and his asshole bleeds, but you don't see it bleeding from his asshole? What movie was that? I'm sure it was. Was it one. Basketball Diaries? Yes. No. yes was it Basketball yes, Diaries? Yes, okay. yes. Yeah, that was it. Boy, uh, do I know my film. Yeah. <laughs> and your anal your raping scene. Yes, <laughs> yeah. you do. You just see the swirl of uh, chocolate syrup like in Psycho. Psycho, yep. yep. <laughs> Kevin Israel, I'm going to ask you first, what quotes did you get from Philadelphia? I mean, this is a, obviously a highly quotable film that you walk around <laughs> repeating the lines over and over again to the chuckles of your buddies. Sure. Um, the only one that stuck out to me, and I, and I, I laughed just because it was, it was so obvious and it's an old joke, and I, as a former lawyer, uh, appreciate it. it was what do you call a thousand lawyers at the bottom of the sea good start i like that mm-hmm. i have uh the only one is without due respect we don't live in this courtroom a heavy-handed one or the do i look gay to you that's another <laughs> yes Kevin, you do thank you off the top of my head if i can join in i have Andy brought aids into this office <laughs> That is the most I, quotable. You know I've, left that, I've left that on voicemails. What's that? I felt like that line was like. I felt like that line was like we haven't made it out that he's an asshole enough yet. Yeah, we need to add something. That's in my I argument. This. <laughs> lazy writing. That's like the worst Christmas party ever. Sarah brought casserole. Mike brought cookies. Andy brought the aides into this office. Yes, yeah, like, you didn't know, did you? Did you? <laughs> Now it's time for our guest, Dave Landell. Dave, it is now your turn to gun what the, the sacred cow. cow. Let me drink my coffee. All right. It's one of those movies. Here's where I start, and I wrote it down. So if I sound like I'm reading, it's because I am. But I took notes because I respect your show. One, it's one of the movies that thinks uh, hate is bad is profound. It's not really a message. All right, number two. From the shot of the graffiti in the elevator that reads, no justice, no peace, it absolutely hits you over the head with the messaging. Like, every stroke is painted so broadly as humanly possible, and as a result of it, the film is about as subtle as a uh, drunk hockey fan with an air horn. Denzel Washington only reconsiders representing Tom Hanks when he is given a dirty look by a white man at the library so dramatically, he might as well have burnt a cross on his desk. The screenplay reads like an old Volvo with too many political bumper stickers on it. I think Anthony Acumia helped you out in this, in this argument already. He actually did not. Oh. <laughs> no, you would think so. It's, he's already in my brain. <laughs> you two have mind-melded. Yeah. I, <laughs> we both have very similar thoughts. I just... <laughs> Don't put him on Twitter. <laughs> no. Well, no, not. And, well, those thoughts we don't agree on. <laughs> uh, um, but every character is one-dimensional, every single one of them, from the leads to the extras, with the exception, maybe, of Denzel Washington, because he's the only character that has any kind of arc to speak of. Tom Hanks and Antonio Banderas are sanitized gay saints, which may be because they cut that scene out, but his family is like the idealized, you know, like the, the very ideal back padding portrayal of a loving Midwestern family, completely white knight, liberal, like accepting family at a time where he probably wouldn't be accepted at all. Uh, Jason Robards playing a caricature of a white collar evil out of, uh, you know, basically a DSA memer's worst nightmare. <laughs> First appears on screen, literally smoking a cigar holding a brandy sniffer uh, and then to the point where you can't believe Tom Hanks' character would even aspire to be like him. Bradley Whitford even has a cameo as a sniveling corporate lackey. So he's an IE Bradley Whitford type. Sure. 
So I have that. So number, hello, Anthony. Which is funny. What's up, Anthony? Which is funny because he plays a sniveling corporate lawyer type. Oh, I can't interrupt the great Anthony Cumia. There you go. (laughs) I I like how he's a sniveling lawyer type in this, which is funny because he also played one in Billy Madison. But but he also played the uh, the lead alpha beta in Revenge of the Nerds Part 2. Oh, that is a pull. You are right, though. He wow. did. Yes. Wow. Yes. That's digging deep. I know my and, fucking stuff. And that goes back to the Andy brought AIDS into this office. And also the shitty, shitty dialogue. Uh, like the yogurt joke in the steam room scene, a character yeah. literally refers to gays as tutti fruities <laughs> in a tone that's reserved for the N-word. Right. I agree. I, that I 100% agree with. Yeah, which, by the way, the irony in the scene of them all taking a gay hot steam together while criticizing another by criticizing a gay man it's right here page two page two of my notes right there the irony is thick <laughs> it's very, very unlike, thick. unlike unlike andy's tea sales <laughs> not well after watching greece yeah. <laughs> that'll give you a cough that won't go away much <laughs> I, i'm gonna go right into the camera work uh, the dramatic, it zooms in and zooms out like a Nike commercial directed by Spike Lee. <laughs> when Hanks falls ill in the courtroom, the camera tilts like we're in the Riddler's hideout. Also, the movie closes with the phoniest looking fake home movies this side of an Instagram story filter. Hold on. By the way, fun fact, another bonus one. Those are Tom Hanks' actual movie, home movies as a kid. Yep. Were they really? Yes, yeah. they were. Yeah, I found that out too. And you're right. That the the the, the side, the diagonal shot of Mary Steenburgen, engine, way too long of a setup with that. They could have done that for about three to five seconds leading up to him collapsing instead of a good forty-five to a minute and a half or whatever it was. That whole scene that, was... Like, like this the entire time ago, dude. What come on? We know it's gonna happen. Just cut to it or I do it. Especially when he opens his shirt. Oh sorry, go ahead. There was important questioning going on during that scene. And that was all ruined by because I was just waiting for him to collapse. I was right. like, when is he, he's either going to throw up or collapse. One of those two things is going to happen. And when is it going to happen? And it did take way too long. And then I started wondering, is, is that what are they trying to suggest that he's about to pass out? Or is this just a strange decision in, in filmmaking? That was like when Yosemite Sam would light dynamite and he would, miss, uh, he would uh, underestimate the the length of the fuse and sit there with his hands in his ear like waiting 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 and it doesn't go off and it goes around the corner and then it blows up on him it's like it's way too long way too long. now he collapsed yeah <laughs> yeah it's completely un- yeah i'm it's just it's a it's a ridiculous scene and then you also have him when he opens up his shirt and he looks like the leeches and stand by me it's yes. like are those lesions did you even know what they look like then no and one had reacts like his organs are hanging out yeah, when they're I, all like, oh, my. you can hear whispering in the corner. One guy covered his mouth like he was going to throw up. I was like, it looks like birth bumps. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the 54 extras with AIDS were, they were happy when they were like, when they see the Elysians, just gasp like it's the most awful thing you've ever <laughs> seen in your entire life. My word! Clutching the pearls. <laughs> my stars! <laughs> <laughs> so... um. This, I'm, I'm shocked that's his real home movies because the way it ends, it just does not mesh with the character. Right. But yeah, that because they also have the home movies of him going into like the house. This is my childhood house I grew up in. So it doesn't, I don't know, it, it didn't flow to me. Uh, the score is ridiculously over the top. Uh, yeah. Between the music, of course, Bruce Springsteen singing, singing Philadelphia, and the cinematography, Aid seems like less like a virus and more like a monster in a hammer horror movie. <laughs> Too much opera, by the way. That that was fucking oh, torture. That scene was painful. That brings me to my next point. <laughs> <laughs> Segways, if you don't mind. Please do. Uh, the scene where he explains opera to Denzel, mm. and we're supposed to believe this profoundly affects Denzel Washington instead of reinvigorating his homophobia anew. Also, they have uh, the fucking they have the fucking work to do. So this guy is nerding out over opera when he has an hour and a half to live and a case to win. It's a great scene to watch if <laughs> someone, if you want a real litmus test and if they're full of shit or not. <laughs> Such a gay stereotype and a really lazy way to convey depth. Like, oh, how can we make him seem like a deeper person? Ah, opera. That's what it is. Opera. It was only brought in to make him seem deeper and to make Denzel's uh, character look a little bit more open after having the scene in the grocery store where the young guy hits on him and he gets 
afraid. Right. Where the guy who had sent him in the grocery store, he also is somehow shocked that guy is gay when he's the gayest stereotype imaginable. And he's like, wait, you, you want to have sex with me? It's like, yeah, the really gay guy, he does. I thought it was, I thought it was funny how after that scene where he reacts as violently as you can to anything in the courtroom, he suddenly had a complete about face. I looked at my wife and I was like, that's all it takes to accept homosexuality is getting hit on by a gay person. Right. It's a- <laughs> I, will, I will say that it had my moment where I yelled Opera. at the screen, that doesn't happen. <laughs> I did yell that. So. And, you know, and by the way, gay people are much better at reading signals. And they would have, he, that guy would have never just been like, hey, want to go get a, like, that would have, you're right, that would have never happened. Yeah, after, no, yeah after, after the initial, hey, what's up? And like five, ten seconds later, you're right. He would be he's like, like I'm, I'm going, I'm going to get something with my, for my wife or whatever he had. Right. He's the, he's the known TV lawyer, too. So he's probably right. been known in the city for the longest time because he's sort of like the punchline slip and fall guy. Yeah, he's the black Salino and Barnes. Exactly. He's whoever uh, William Shatner does commercials for now. That's exactly who he's playing. <laughs> Or in Detroit, we have 1-800-CAR-HIT-YOU. He's that guy. If that's a real number, that guy's a genius who came up with I that. I swear to God, it's 1-800-CAR-HIT-YOU. Oh, my God. <laughs> it basically says jump in front of traffic <laughs> yeah. and win the lottery. <laughs> How many videos have we seen in China where they do that? Oh, they do, yeah. I know oh, that. Like they that, they that's get a, hit that's by a, a bus yeah, and they just, like, kind of fall. That's a lively uh, uh, wormhole I've gone down many a time is watching Chinese people jump in front of cars. The car stops five feet short, and they kind of stumble back like they just got hit with the right cross of the jaw. <laughs> and every, everything's on camera there. Yeah, so everybody yeah. Everybody knows exactly yeah. what's going on. Yeah. It's the best. No, I'm with you. <laughs> I have to say that uh, in the flashback scene, uh, his – Tom Hanks, welcome back, Cotter mustache. Also, the name of the porn theater is the Stallion Showcase Cinema, and right. I'm still laughing 27 years later. <laughs> and what's funny, when he goes into the porn theater, he sits next to a guy who looks exactly like him. They're almost in the same sweater, same mustache, Jerry Curlish hair, just so they can have gay sex in a theater. That's how you know. That's, yes, <laughs> that's the is hand it, under the the bathroom stall. Speaking of the the, the, the porn theater, stop. we just did a few weeks ago. We did Taxi Driver, and okay. I remember in Taxi Driver. Well, it's very fresh in my memory. De Niro loads up on refreshments, and now you see in this film, Tom Hanks is fucking popcorn going to a jerk off movie. That that uh, just again, that doesn't happen. You <laughs> no. don't bring food unless you're a master and can eat and jerk off at the same time. I can do a lot of things, jerking. <laughs> off just solely has my sole focus on and not eating i mean you've, well, yeah. how many feature <laughs> You're not even, you've been to <laughs> how many what how many feature porns have you been to zero because I'm, I'm a i'm an adult and i do it in a in a booth in times square okay <laughs> well that's true yeah. <laughs> well so you're not gonna buy popcorn because there's nobody to trick you're not gonna put your dick yeah. to the bottom of it yeah everybody in there is getting ready to get fucked by a man <laughs> <laughs> It's all you, don't need for. The, you don't need the popcorn, buddy. I'm, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, he's like, ah, oh, you got me again. And just, <laughs> like you a, have to go through this whole routine, this whole... <laughs> the song and dance. It's, it's, like, it's like, guys, you're the number one seed. You have the first round bye, no pun intended. We don't have to yeah. play the, the charades here. You're yeah. in. Let's go. Yeah, it's dudes who want to fuck. You don't need to dangle a carrot. Just give them the carrot. <laughs> just dangle the Quote. dick. That's it. Quote, pretty woman, I'm a short thing. Yes. <laughs> oh, this is rich. Continue. I'll sir. say there's uh, there's there's no uh, there's really no there's really no judgment of what a shitty person he actually is from possibly affecting infecting his partner with the disease, Antonio Banderas, cheating and lying on him to him, uh, lying to his coworkers about what he has, which is a particularly bad look in the age of COVID nineteen. Not that that is the same time, but it certainly doesn't age well. And contrast this movie with, say, Dallas Buyers Club, which doesn't shy away from the protagonist's flaws and thus makes the arc much more interesting as well. Like when Matthew McConaughey is having unprotected sex with a hooker, he's doing things that just may, you know, he's there's the reason why he caught the virus, but now he's still trying to save his life. He's still human. In this, Tom Hanks is just supposed to be some kind of gay angel and it's never addressed the kind of shitty things that he's done, which is include, you know, possibly give his partner AIDS. 
Gay Angel, best heavy metal band out there right now. Ever. They're performing tonight still. At the, at the Stallion Club. Yeah. The Stallion Club is still open for business if you have a password. <laughs> Meow. It's called Cotter Mustache. And they'll let you right in. Cotter Mustache. That's going to be my new fantasy football team name this year. Just wringing fucking jizz out of it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And poopy crumbs, too. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. That's how you get the COVID, all that ass eating. Now it's now we're being punished by the Lord. Bats bats nay, yeah. it's buttocks. Exactly. It's not it's, it's it. ass. <laughs> it wasn't the Chinese after them. Also, the lab. I gotta say, because you were talking about the courtroom, the courtroom has absolutely no drama whatsoever. That's what I enjoy about it. Mm-hmm. And there, the outcome is not remotely in question. And I remember watching that when I was 11, and right when it ended, my mom said, well, they're just going to appeal it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, what does that mean? And that's realistically probably what would happen, and then they'd end up winning eventually. Right. You know, it's funny that you say that. Uh, there's, I don't think... You're, you are a lawyer. I'm basing this on nothing. No, no, no. And you have nothing to base it on, so don't worry about it. Um, but there's never, I don't think there's ever been a movie made about the appeals process. And there's a reason for that. It's boring. It's incredibly boring. Yeah. Right. And typically nothing happens. But it's just funny because a lot of movies do end with, well, you know, we're going to appeal this. Or, you know, there's always that threat. And I don't think anybody in, most people in society have no idea what the appeals process is. They probably think it's just another trial, and it's not at all. But it's just always this, like, specter that's out there, like, well, you won, but you didn't because we're going to appeal it. And then, dun, dun, and that's it. And you never, you never see the appeals process take place in a movie or, like, anything. It's just, it's just like this guy with a sickle that's like, well, I'm going to change it, so don't worry. Well, it's funny you say that because in the notes yeah. section I have, there is no 12 angry men moment. Like, for example, when the camera goes around all the people in the jury, you see the one guy with the Marine haircut. I go, that, and again, I haven't seen this since it came out on VHS back in 93 when I rented it from fucking Blockbuster or whatever. I go, that's it. That's the guy right there. He hates gays. There's yep. no way in hell that this guy is going to be co-signing on giving this guy any kind of money because he hated gays. He was in fucking Korea, and that's it. No chance. And whoop! First, you know, again, no drama whatsoever. I almost kind of... A, sort of appreciate they don't resort to the cheap. We got to have one final hurdle. It's kind of like, yeah, fine, fuck it. Hey, all Ali Ali Oxen free. But if, don't set me up with that Marine guy buzz haircut and then have nothing about it pay off. I mean, that's the that's the check off gummy. They'll check off gummy always talk about. Well, Kevin. you have the one guy go, can you explain it to me? Like I'm a right. five-year-old, you yeah. know, and it's like, okay, so that's how he turns, right. quoting the lawyer's shitty quote. Right. I thought I was sure that in that scene, the deliberation scene, when he was going, he was going through all the reasons why you kind of had to believe him. At the end, he was going to go, but he's a fag, so fuck him, or something yeah. like that. <laughs> like, I, I was sure like that. I thought that's really, I mean, it's funny now, but I thought that was what they were going to get to. Like, there's this one bigot who's going to, like, make things difficult. And then it didn't, and I was like, oh, that was very easy. Instead, he has the, yeah, the arc without any reason to have it. Yeah, there's right. nothing that changes for him except right. all of a sudden he has a slogan. There's and it's no a, depth yeah. to the writing. It, it's, I'll say, uh, well, Tom Hanks dying is about as convincing as Bugs Bunny. You got me, partner routine. Uh, watch the scenes in the hospital and tell me what he won an Oscar for anything except for political reasons. He he beat Daniel Day Lewis, who I guess we just found out was up for the role. Lawrence Fishburne, Anthony Hopkins, and Liam Neeson. Also, there's Wait, an what, what was, the what, was Liam ne- what was Liam Neeson? Was that Michael Collins, or is that was that before? Uh, or? I don't know what it was that year, ninety three. So, I'd have oh, to look God. it up. I looked it up before, but he was nominated that year. All right, I'll look it up as we talk. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, but also, there's an actor in the movie which you were talking about, the extras, and his name was Daniel Chapman, who visibly is dying of AIDS. And the first time in, in filming, he appears in two scenes, and once in the clinic and later in the wake. And Hanks looks, and Hanks on his deathbed looks like completely robust compared to this actual guy who's dying of AIDS. And I can only imagine like 
you know, Christian Bale somewhere chain smoking and eating half of an apple, just thinking about how Tom Hanks has absolutely no commitment to his craft. Because <laughs> when you do compare the two, they basically made Tom Hanks lose a little bit of weight and then threw some fucking bowl powder in his hair. And we're like, all right, make a lawyer joke and try to act like you're dying. It's just not even a convincing scene. And then he gets into the elevator and it's just, an, and he retells the joke and it's just even. It's just, it's bullshit. The whole scene, it should be emotional, and it is if you're five or, like, ten, but if you're an adult, it's just transparent and it doesn't age well. I mean, I think he, uh, he, he, he did lose a visible amount of weight. Visible, 30, 30, yes. 30, 35 pounds. It's, it, but I want, bail. yeah, 35 pounds. That's not a 93 AIDS death. <laughs> he should have been should have been light as a feather. They could have put him in a shoebox. Yeah, you're right. He should be a Christian, ba- Christian Bale machinist. Okay, by the way, here are your, here are right. your answers. Here are your answers. Oh, this is a no-brainer. Liam Neeson, Schindler's List, duh. Daniel oh, Day-Lewis yeah, in The Name of the Father. Lawrence Fishburne playing Ike Turner and having a hell of a, a fastball with, with, a, with a Converse sneaker. And yeah, Anthony Hopkins. to do with it. <laughs> and Anthony Hopkins, The Remains of the Day. So he beat out all those guys. And uh, Tommy Lee Jones for Best Supporting Actor. That's curious. Okay, but yeah, he beat out Hopkins, Fishburne, Lewis, and Shin, and uh, Liam Neeson for those. Uh, so, which I would argue all of those performances are better. And I love Tom Hanks. That's why I don't want to shit all over this. But right. you're doing yeah. a fine job. <laughs> I, it really, it really is just not a good movie. And I used to like it, so it's, it pains me to do this. But you guys told me to pick oh, a movie. When was your revelation? Um, probably somewhere. I went to film school right out of uh, high school. And by film school, I went to community college and studied film, then dropped out after I passed all those classes. But that's when I started getting into really how film was made and written and put together. And that's when I realized, like, oh, this is kind of a just heavy-handed piece of shit. Right. And I watched it recently, and I'm like, yeah, maybe it is pretty good. And it's like, oh, no, it's still, it's, it's still very bad. I'm shocked that you've watched it that many times. Well, you got to jack off, friend. <laughs> Sometimes you like to challenge yourself. Someone, so, someone has a special search, and they're called lesions porn. Yes. <laughs> I like the lesion scene, and then I pause it at the gay stallion cinema. So much better. <laughs> David, you finished your arguments? Uh, no, I have more, if you'd like to hear them. Uh, please. I got, two, I got two more. Okay. I got to say, that, and I did, I did not know the scene was cut out, but this still, that was their choice. Keep that in mind, guys, to cut this scene out, because it comes off that the relationship between Andy and Miguel is completely false. They're only gay because they tell us that they are. And his death scene from AIDS is handled in such a silly and mellow, dramatic way. I bring these up at the same time because the same year, a documentary called Silver Lake Life was released, and its story of a real-life gay couple dying of AIDS that deals with the reality of both being gay men and having AIDS. This is the back-pattern product of limousine liberal Hollywood that doesn't have the balls to do it right. Wow. And ultimately... Especially then. Oh, yeah. Especially then, but I mean, if you're going to take this grand stand that you care, it's like the, the shitty version, I suppose, would be in Bohemian Rhapsody, where uh, Freddie Mercury tells his bandmates he's gay and they hug him. It's like, yeah, I'm sure that's how that played out. Oh, yeah. you have AIDS? Come touch me, Freddie. I, it's yeah, 1980. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought Brian May would have thrown a cigarette in his eye after he said that in real life. <laughs> I just that movie's terrible. I hate yeah, the scene where they're all at the party either. and there's only two couches for the band to be on. Like Freddie's partying too much. Yeah, is that how yeah. that went? Yeah. Wow. Meanwhile, you fucking fall in your garden and break your asshole open last week. Yeah. <laughs> I fell on a cucumber. All right. All right, <laughs> Three <Fred>. times. <laughs> yeah. All right, Freddie, too. I, uh, <laughs> you can't sing like him, so you just want to learn to fuck like him. Now, ultimately, at the end of this, it is a bad made-for-TV movie uh, with the benefit of having some huge, giant star power attached to it. It would be utterly forgotten otherwise. Uh, in the final scene, all the characters at the wake are shown wearing red ribbons, an empty gesture of racing aids that never did anything but soothe the ego of the person wearing it. That is what the film is. It is nothing more but a, nothing more than a red ribbon in a fil- film reel where they're just patting themselves on the back. It's all it is, is you're not actually doing anything. You're just proud of yourself for making it because you think you're raising awareness for a cause but you're not. You're just making money. And at the time they thought, oh, 
well, Tom Hanks was just in the burbs and uh, this is different. So here's your Oscar. Speaking of the burbs, I just rewatched that a few weeks ago. That film is fucking terrible. And I don't put oh, I love it. Really? Dude, I Bummer. hated it. I saw that. In 1989, when my grandfather died, I, the, film was a, the film was worse than my grandfather dying. But no, I saw it in the theater just to kill time, whatever. I hated it when I was like 12. And I, I said, you know what? Let's watch it again. It's de- completely devoid of laughter. I fucking hate the even, even when he says, I've never seen anybody do that, drive their trash down to the street and beat the shit out of it with a shovel. Okay, I smirked once there. All right. Yeah, see, it's got it. But it's still I, fucking awful. I saw that movie and I don't remember it. Don't. I was, I was seven and I loved it, but I think I just must have loved it because it was that horror element when I was that young. Right. So I thought it was interesting. You have the satanic neighbors and, you know, all the Bruce Dern telling a, that old Walter guy that he'll staple his dog's asshole shut. <laughs> just fun. You know, when you're, when you're seven, you laugh and yeah. then it kind of sticks with you as nostalgia. Yeah, that and Monster Squad. I'd love to see how that well that one holds. Dude, Monster up, but... Squad sucks. I, I was so bummed. Yeah. That was so. That was part of my childhood. And I Me was too. talking to a guy one night after a comedy show, and he goes, "I actually have a copy of that in my car." I go, "You're fucking lying. I can't find a copy." He brings me a DVD of it, and I watched it all excited. And it was the. It's so bad. What Absolutely. a random encounter! Isn't that strange? It's like it was. I mean, that was strange. That's like yeah. the worst. That's like the worst pedophile brag. Like when it comes to my car, kid, got a copy of Monster Squad. Yeah, <laughs> the kid's like, no, <laughs> I got Garbage Pail Kids, the movie. What? Well, that's even on, worse. Oh, what a terrible movie! And I wanted that to be so good. I never I saw that. it. I never oh. saw it. I heard again. Even eleven year old, I came out in eighty seven. I was eleven. Even eleven year old Kevin go. That looks fucking awful, man. Like I want again. I had so many Garbage Pail Kids. They're. I went I as a car either. Yeah, I loved Garbage Pail Kids. I went as a Garbage Pail Kid. And I, it was my Halloween costume when I was 10 or some shit. Uh, king Size Kevin was, was the King Kong guy. Yeah. And, yeah. And, I, and I had a big like, sandwich board on me for that. And I forgot who the one on the back was, but it was King Size Kevin was, my, was the front. Funny. I saw one the other day. It said Party Artie, and it was a guy wearing a party hat just dangling from a noose. And I was like, oh, I forgot about that one. I was say like, Ar- there was some dark. They didn't pull yeah. any punches with those things. I was going to say yeah. Artie, there's Artie Lang with a cigarette and his no. aviators in a heroin phase. Haze, I mean, excuse me. <laughs> you could put it there, yeah, for sure. But <laughs> There was definitely one of a pretty girl throwing up into a toilet that's like yeah. bulimia. And I don't remember what the name was, but I remember. Like, I think it was Patty something. I think Patty something for some reason stands out in my mind. Yeah. Oh, it, they had so many. Puking was Patty? Like, was that it? Puking Patty? Oh, it might have been yeah, Puking maybe. Patty. It's all alliteration with that shit. But yep. Genius. I, I know, right? Oh, I miss those. All those trading cards I had. I don't even know. I bet I, they're still somewhere. I got to try to find them. The, you could put them together from their backs and make a giant puzzle. one. Yeah, puzzle, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. This, this little trip down memory lane spot brought to you by Critics Five Star Reviews. Five star reviews. Five star reviews by critics. Arguably, the hard, uh, the horror of death from AIDS has been sanitized for popular consumption, but never, nevertheless, it is a brave and commendable effort. To die of AIDS. I get home. Not, not if you're Magic Johnson. Jonathan Demme's thoughtful human drama was certainly not the first movie to confront the AIDS crisis, but it was, even in the conventional skin of a courtroom drama, the most heartbreaking and passionate undertaking of its kind. Sparks of acting brilliance rescue the cautious, sometimes craven script, as does Demme's inventive direction. Through the plotting, re- though the plotting reeks of safety-first commercialism, the camera work has the dangerous intimacy of independent filmmaking, but badly cliched. That that's a five-star review? Yes. Well, you, I, I like who, the, who I like wrote the, that? These are all called from Rotten Tomatoes, so different... Like, they do realize there's the whole movie is about him trying to find a lawyer who won't rep him because he has AIDS. Then they have to force a scene in a library where a guy's like, can I uh, interest you in a reading room? And just, and Would it like, make yeah, you comfortable? more comfortable in a reading room. And it's like, yeah, it's because you're coughing up AIDS juice all over the book. That's the best. That is the best moonshine I have yet to try. Yeah, it's not, but it's not even, 
it's not even unreasonable. It's not even a homophobic thing. It's like there's people here and you're being disgusting. Yeah. No, it's a library. The- Leave with the books. You're yeah. allowed to. 2020, he'd be shunned for not having a mask. Right. <laughs> it doesn't hold up at all. Critics one star reviews. Critics one star reviews. Critics one star reviews. <laughs> In the guise of piety, Philadelphia panders to a perceived straight male majority. I'll let the oh. fucking, the, 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 the piousness of that just. Ugh. Yeah, it's a, really a not Be, at all. Being under the PC microscope transforms Demi into the bastard offspring of Stanley Kramer and Norman Lear. Was there an all in the family joke that I missed with that? Is that why? I guess. But if you even think back to 93, it was very PC like it is now for doing stuff. That was like one of the first waves of it, if you remember. I do. The AIDS they were cor- definitely pandering. The AIDS courtroom drama is so pumped full of nitrous oxide, you could get your teeth drilled into it. Can a movie make us feel sympathy for a gay character without having him die and spout opera cliches? I'm, I'm sorry, was getting AIDS inconvenient for you? Yeah. <laughs> Next, Amazon five-star reviews. Amazon five-star review the ooze. It's time for Amazon five-star reviews, five-star reviews. It is still a powerful reminder that rejecting bigotry and discrimination is necessary in a civilized society. Of course, that's just my, my opinion. I could be wrong. I like how this person says, could be wrong about rejecting bigotry. It's like, hey, don't drink out of that fountain, black man, but hey, I could be wrong. Fucking people. Yeah, I remember that scene in Mississippi burning. Right. This film does pretty much everything right. No, seriously, I can find no flaws. The plot is interesting. The acting is top-notch, and I'm glued to my screen from beginning to end. Next one. One thing I will say is that Tom Hanks' character, for all the trouble I'm sure Tom took, was the healthiest-looking AIDS patient I have ever seen. And under the circumstances (laughs) which he suffered were a lot better slash romantic than many in those days. Signed, Dr. Fauci. (laughs) Good flick. This movie may be about AIDS, but cancer patients get treated just the same. I was also fired from my job, of course. They legally couldn't say due to my cancer, but I'm glad they had to hire two people to replace me for the amount of work I could do being a sickly sickly cancer person. Signed, someone who never makes it about himself. (laughs) This guy started uh... off writing a movie review and ended up just writing his own opus. The whole thing was just him mad about losing a job. I'm sure he wasn't like, I have cancer. And they were like, well, you're fired, Dan. (laughs) Did you see Philadelphia? Yeah, I'll see you in appeal court, asshole. Yeah, yeah, we'll see you there. It's because you were masturbating at your desk. (laughs) I have cancer. Uh, You're also jerking off in the men's bathroom with the stall door open, Dan. (laughs) That also does not help your your, your cases as well. You asked if you could suck my dick, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at the company I, picnic next to my wife <laughs> and then when I saw you walking towards the kiddie pool I fired you <laughs> but thankfully you did not have an open sore like Tom Hanks did <laughs> and you, you said I have cancer and I don't even believe you <laughs> Amazon one star reviews Amazon one star reviews it's time for Amazon one star reviews Cheesy! Did I read somewhere that Tom Hanks got an Oscar for his B-minus delivery in this? The Academy Awards just lost any credit they retained prior to me learning that. Who's the bad guy? Oh, sorry, go ahead. What's that, Kevin? Signed Dave Landa. Yeah. I wish I wrote that bad. (laughs) Who's the bad guy? Well, it's our hero's employer, whose somewhat understandable fears of a ravaging syndrome, which was not fully understood in 1993, being introduced in the workplace are portrayed as malicious. The subject of AIDS is a powder keg, but in Philadelphia, it seems about as controversial as cancer. Find Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) I have the best, I have the best AIDS people working for me. They're the fantastic. Oh, they're they're also AIDS great. (laughs) I call it AIDS great. That's what I, that's my nickname for Jared Kushner. AIDS great. It is a ridiculous character. Like I, I don't know why anybody would side with him to even see his point of view because there's no depth to it. 
This movie is an insult to everybody who died and to everyone who lost a loved one. And you can email me at virtuesignaler2 at netscape.com. <laughs> Netscape. <laughs> My buddy sells a Netscape address. Wow. Really? Went yeah. from Sam Goody to Netscape. <laughs> this is just a throwback episode. <laughs> I don't have any limitations to esoteric references, Kevin. You should know that by episode 30. Last and not least, hated it. Stopped it after five minutes. Wow. And that first five minutes was Bruce Springsteen's fucking song. It's about an 80, ADHD fucking problem. Look at that. That Kevin is a is, fair point. Oh, God. It's a music and video. I, I, Kevin Israel, what notes do you have? So this was my first time seeing this movie. I'd never wow. seen it before. I, uh, um, it, like, I, I've told you before, Kev, I'm not a big fan of sad movies or just de- depressing movies. So it just, you know, if I'm spending my time watching something, I, so when, when you told me Dave picked this, I was like, motherfucker. And I put it off as long as possible watching this movie. I watched it last night. Your, your Philadelphia is my Greece. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Like, like I knew I was just going to feel like shit at the end of it. And I knew it was going to be like, I was just like, ah, this, and I'm going to go to bed, like just miserable because, and you know, what's funny. I didn't because I don't think, I think, and I, I think part of it, number one is that just so much time has passed since that period and, and AIDS and the, and the epidemic is looked at much differently now. Right. Thank God, you know, there's medicines out there and people can survive with it. And I know people who are surviving with it. And it's it's just a, it's a different mindset now. But it, I, I think a lot of the points that Dave makes rings true in that, like, I, I got the movie and I, like, I, I, I was able to get through it and be like, OK. And, I, and, and having, you know, practice law, I always I do like court scenes. And I was I think it's fun just to see how they're represented. Um, these court scenes were terrible. And uh, the, uh, the the pacing of the movie was very odd to me, mm-hmm. especially the first half of the movie where it was like today, three days later, a month later. Right, we, right. I was like, why are we like, I get why they're jumping around, but it felt so abrupt. And just like it, it felt like the, the, the writers of the movie were like, I don't know how we're going to make the point of the passage of time. So just. Tell them the time is passing. Well, it's like they wrote a screenplay that could have been chronological had they just shuffled around the scenes they wrote. But right. instead, they're like, ah, just write it two months you, earlier. I'll give right. you, I'll, I'll clue you into why. And this is a, yet another bonus fun fact. This is one of the very few films that were shot exactly in sequence. It was not shot around. It was in well, order as how it was. Worse. Yeah. 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 Was that, cause that, was that for him losing weight? Yeah. For him looking worse and worse and worse, right? That makes sense. Yeah. But the, um, you know, looking at it through the lens of the time, like if I saw it in 1993 when I was 16, I'm sure I would have been an asshole about it. I'd been like, oh, whatever. But like AIDS was, AIDS really was like a, a death sentence. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, but, and just like, ta- like, cause I, the scene where he first walks in um, to, uh, to Denzel's office and Denzel like looks at his hand after he shakes it and then backs up and that like watches him touch everything. Like I forgot. That yeah. it was like that. Like, I totally forgot that that it was, was out little, there. It was What's getting that? a little more accepted, though, which is why I think they were able to put a bunch of money behind behind it to make a Hollywood movie, when you think about it. Because when you also have – when you think about AIDS, when you, like, you're talking about grid and, like, gay cancer and all that stuff at first, when it was really something yeah. we knew nothing about. By 93, it was just entering the safe zone of discussion where we could pander to the PC. That's just my opinion. But I do see what you're saying. And you know what? You might be right. I just don't, I just, I don't remember. I don't remember. I I just remember knowing that AIDS was like, like have said, like a death sentence and that you didn't know how you got it. And, you know, there people would say, oh, you know, it's through blood. And you're like, all right, maybe, I don't know. I, I actually, I took, um, in college in 1997, I took, uh, like a human sexuality course. And one of the one of the classes they brought in AIDS patients um, to talk to us about the disease. And even and I even then I remember kids being like, and kids didn't go to the class like they did in '97. Kids wouldn't go to the class because they were like, oh God, you know, I don't need to be around them. And so it, that, I I think it, it was it took a little longer for people to you know wise up. And uh, clearly, it's probably still going on. But the movie. I think the movie made its point and then made its point and then 
it was just like, all right, we're just going to keep making this point over and over again. And the, uh, the, the scene in the, in the partner's office where they're all sitting around smoking cigars, I was like, all right, these are the, these are the evil wealthy white men who are making all the decisions and hate everybody and are just rich. like, Oh, you need to know they can be lawyers or bankers or stockbrokers or whatever, but they're rich and evil and, that's all you need to know about them. But Mortimer, but Mortimer, he's right. uh, it's, right. but that's why it also feels like a lifetime movie when it ends. There's yeah. no real emotion. You're like, yeah, I get that it's sad, but at the same time, yeah, you've been making the same point since the movie started. Really, if you just listen to the song, it's basically Bruce Springsteen is going, AIDS is sad. Well, I, I was, I was shocked having not seen the movie before. I didn't realize the movie starts and he already has AIDS. Yeah. I thought there was I thought there was going to be the obvious scene where he finds out he gets AIDS, and I thought when they first showed that scene when he was in the the get, giving blood or when he was getting his treatment, when they first showed the needle in his arm, I thought that was going to be him finding out that he had AIDS, and I was like, okay, this is we're gonna so there's going to be this arc and this whole discovery and what and it wasn't it was just about this guy who already had AIDS and then he gets fired and then there's a lawsuit and for me and especially no I mean I knew how the movie ends obviously and. I knew the overall gist of it, so it didn't. I it didn't really take me as where I wanted to, where I thought I was gonna. I thought I was the movie was gonna end. I was gonna be like, I need to go for a walk. I need to call my mom. I need to do something. Because, Wear a condom. I you know. I need to get this guy's. Pocket. Go to the stallion club. You know, good times. And I and I I don't know. You know, had I seen it back when it first came out, if it would have affected. It probably would have affected me differently at the time. But uh, I think a lot of Dave's points were, were, were valid in that uh, it, it just does, it doesn't hold up. I don't think the movie held up. Um, and I say that without the reference of having seen it originally. But yeah. it, it didn't, I, it, I just, I didn't come out of it feeling the way I think I expected to, and definitely not the way the creators of the movie wanted me to. Give me a number one to 10. Five and a half. Okay. My notes. Here's my impression of Bruce Springsteen as he's about to perform the lead song. You know, my daddy always said, you should do a song for a movie with that guy from Bachelor Party and Joe vs. Volcano. So here's a song about a guy with scales on his face and dances in a sailor outfit. This song's called Philadelphia. Two, three, four. Uh, a, A hell of a casting call with Murdoch from Rambo, First Blood Part Two as the judge, where I'm yelling at the screen. I'm yelling at the screen, Murdoch. I'm coming for you with HIV-infected needles and opera music. It angered me, literally angered me, when they had the guy go, it's Adam and Eve and not Adam and Steve. Don't do the hacky gay jokes. I Don't be pussies. Dig in, Jesus Christ. I want to hear the gay jokes in this film that would make Gino Bisconti wince. That kind of caliber of jokes I want to hear in this instead of some fucking hacky horseshit you see in a Hallmark card now. In fairness, Gino Bisconti is still doing the Adam and Steve joke. <laughs> very, tr- very true. I think he did that during my, my show on yeah. season five. It's on his special. <laughs> I enjoyed the costume dance party scene like everybody else did, but I missed the part where Captain Harris and Proctor accidentally find their way in there. <laughs> it is the blue. Ha- Thank and, you. And, and that movie is, so that movie is what, 11 or 12 years before this one? That's what yeah. I mean. Like, yeah. it's, yeah. They you might as well that- be getting fisted on a swing <laughs> like <laughs> Proctor, <laughs> I don't see a salad bar. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Too much opera, as I said before. Great talent opera, I, can, I fully admit that. But if I wanted to hear a shrill voice yelling, I'd hang out at an Upper East Side diner waiting for a Karen asking for a manager. The only thing missing for the dance party scene was Hanks and Banderas not wearing sailor outfits, but Harold Carmichael and Ron Jaworski jerseys. <laughs> that is the worst, too, when he's like, you've now survived your first gay party. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. And how do you go from... At the party, he was like, I just got a blood transfusion. I feel great. And then the meeting that they had was, I, I assume it was either that night or the next day. I think it was probably that night. Right. And he looked terrible. I, I don't know. Look, I'm not a doctor. I don't know if that's how quickly it happens. Bad night's sleep, Ke- bad night's sleep Kevin. Come on, be real. <laughs> it was a hell of a party. Yeah. He, had to sleep, yeah. he had to sleep on the couch. And Antonio Banderas made him sleep on the couch because he was coughing up blood all over the, the sheets <laughs> in bed. I saw this film, again, pretty much... I don't know. Right when it came on VHS. 
And as a high school kid, of course, you're a callous asshole, and I'm still a callous asshole at my age. But I remember saying, eh, overrated. I watched it last night with my wife, and it was heavier, a little heavier than I thought. But like you said, Kevin, it didn't have that, that effect of, you know, you're going to walk out, and you're going to have that sinking stone in your stomach feeling, right, right in the pit of your stomach. And there was so, and there were problems, Landale, I, you got every one of them. I, had to, I threw half a page of notes away because you nailed every single one of them, Thank especially, you. you're very good, the Mary Steenburgen cockeyed camera view. I'm like, oh, my God. Could you, that's like a picture going, here comes a fastball, and you know it's coming. You're going to hit it out of the park. Like, no shit, he's going to fucking faint. Really? Yes. The, the, the evil white guy, the, the, I made the Mortimer from tra- Trading Spaces joke. It is very paint by numbers. They could, again, they could have had a great idea with this. Yeah, would it have been any less shocking that, sorry to interrupt you, but uh, right. at the end, if they bet a dollar? <laughs> <laughs> and then you see Antonio Banderas come out in, in, a, in a radio flyer wagon with half his, with his legs tucked in the blanket. Yeah. How you feeling, Andrew? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 in the first half, I'm like, eh, all right. And then the second half, I was like, uh, meh, not as bad. I still stand by the fact that it is that it is very overrated, and like like you said, Dave, very. Hey, let's let's be cool and jump on the PC bandwagon, and let's have a movie about AIDS, and it's going to be, and we're going to have Oscars and and pats on the back because we tackled a subject that was barely breached for the last I don't know how many years. Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street had a better court scene. Never saw that yet. That's still. <laughs> I never saw that yet. It's both a, versions had yeah, a better both. court scene. Did they? <laughs> the Richard, the Richard Attenborough one. Yeah. <laughs> so Kevin Israel, it's so uncanny yet again that we agree on the same fucking score. I give it a five and a half. Wow. There you go. I was debating about six. And then Landau came in there with enough bullet points for me to say it. Now, you know what, Dave, Dave, Dave had a great argument. Now, now we ask the question, does De- De- Kevin Israel, did Dave Landau gut the sacred cow? I think Dave Landau got the sacred cow. I, well, 100, 100, I 100% agree he got the sacred cow. <laughs> you, you had me on the fence. I was like, I like it. I'm good with it. Will I ever watch this again? No. Will I ever own this? No. More importantly than would I watch it again, because clearly there's no – even if this movie impacted me the way it was it was meant to – there's no reason, Nick. There's no reason to be like, "Hey, let's watch Philadelphia tonight." Like, let's get some beers and watch Philadelphia. <laughs> but if my kids someday, if I ever was like, "All right, we need to have a talk about AIDS or whatever," that wouldn't be the movie I showed them. That would no, not it's not. Be, it's it's the Magic Johnson uh, thirty for thirty about getting AIDS. That's when I would show my. Right, my listen, yeah. if you have when enough money, you can win. <laughs> yeah. If the, yeah, believe me, they're going to fucking worry about you skinning your knee on the basketball court, but then you're going to live forever. <laughs> Fine. Oh, one other, one other point, too. I, I wanted to, The one lawyer, the one partner, you could tell he was just like, oh, I knew about it. When he was in the stand, I'm like, he's going to break. Like, he's going to break and go, God damn it, I fucking knew he had AIDS, and I just, that's why he got fired. I was waiting for that break moment, but it didn't happen. I said, ah, yep. you can't set it up like that. Yeah, and they teased got his, yeah. his arc. Yeah, there was a ton of arcs that just half. It was like half arcs, like it stopped at the top. Dave Landau, it, it, it oh, didn't work sorry. too. Sorry, when he's when uh, the woman's on the stand and she said that she wanted the earrings to be more American, and he goes, "I said," she goes, "I said they were American, African American," and then everybody kind of cheers, and then they're like, "Okay, that's true," but uh, didn't he also pay for your kid's surgery <laughs> and put you through college? Like, there's forty things in a row he did for this woman, and she's right. kind of like. Yeah, so you're like, okay, so are these guys good or bad? And she like, still worked there. Yeah, Who would she, get up on the stand and be she, like, he, she, he was racist? She got promoted, for Christ's sake. It's like, after she said African-American, I was waiting for a, mm-hmm, one of those. It'd be real yeah. awkward on Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's they're like, you know, we can't fire you, but you're never getting a raise again. Yeah. But you're hey. now the janitor. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you got a promotion. Yeah, hope hope you have fun tucking your kid in the bed tonight instead of six feet under. <laughs> I could have paid yeah. for I could have paid for a burial, but instead I paid for a surgery. You ungrateful yeah. cunt. Yeah, sorry about that. Thanks for saying that. Sometimes breaks wear out. You never know. Uh, Dave Landau, oh, congratulate congratulations. You, I believe, are the second person that got the second the Zaker yes. cow. Two out of thirty you. episodes is amazing. Dave Landau, again, tell us where we can find you and and, and make yourself known to the world. 
uh, DaveLandau.com. You can check me out for upcoming tour dates. I do have a few in Florida, um, uh, Arkansas, some places where they're not as uh, advanced. Uh, we also have uh, the Anthony Cumia Show with Dave Landau on Compound Media, compoundmedia.com. We have a ton of great shows. If you sign up, it's totally worth it. It's always fun, and we're live Monday through Thursday, 4 to 6 p.m., and we're now doing a uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000-type thing every other week, Anthony and I, which is a blast. So check us out there if you're a movie fan. Nice. KevinGoatee.com. More importantly, guttingthesacredcow.com. Check out where you can find us and see all, you know, get our backstory, find out our dates and shit, and, of course, the merch, hats, no N95 masks, though, but we do have hoodies, shirts, hats, all that good stuff. GuttingTheSacredCow.com, GTSC Podcast on Twitter, and KevinGoatee.com and Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Kevin Israel, how about yourself, sir? Where can we find you? Uh, I'm like uh, Dave. I did not have any gigs in um, redneck states, so my calendar was gutted. Uh, but you can get my album, The Struggle is Real, on iTunes and everywhere else, and on social media, Kevin Israel. You'll find me uh, all over the place, so check me out. Fantastic. Dave Landau, thank you again for joining Gutting the Sacred Cow. We appreciate it. And uh, thanks again, everybody. Appreciate you listening. Don't forget to like and share. Tell a friend for the love of Christ. Help us out. We really appreciate you folks. Thank you again for listening to Gutting the Sacred Cow. We'll see you soon. Take care, everybody. Bye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.